against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We have to always remember that we are at war. There's no doubt about it. Spiritual warfare is part of the Christian experience. And the forces of darkness are real. And they are active in the world today. We all know that as believers. Well, some believers don't know that. But it's important that we always remember that the challenges that we face in life, a lot of it's the source of Satan's intervention in our lives. Now, God allows it. He allows the enemy to intervene in our lives. But he allows him to intervene in our lives because he knows he's already given us the victory. He's already given us power over the enemy. But it's important to realize that victory is never automatic in the Christian life. It's one of those things where when we are pushed and we will be pushed by the enemy, he will come in like a flood. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome him. So don't be surprised when you start getting deep off into the word of God, you start getting close to God, you start serving God like you've never served him before, when all hell will break loose in your life. Don't ever be surprised about that. We're not ignorant of his devices. And a lot of times I think with believers, they think that, you know, once we get saved and once we uh, get accustomed to getting into the word that everything's going to be pieces and cream, but it's not. The enemy is going to come again. He can't keep you out of heaven. You're already born again. But his will is to make your life a living hell on the earth. Okay? So always remember the devil is out there, but don't be afraid of him. You got the victory over him. Amen? Yeah. And that's what God wanted me to remind you of tonight. Because uh, a lot of times, like I said, we don't really real. We, we, sometimes we forget about that this is a spiritual warfare that we're in. And, and things that are happening may, uh, you don't understand what's happening. But a lot of times, like I said, the enemy is the source of your problem. But you have to learn how to overcome him through faith. Amen? And you're in a good place tonight. You're in Bible study. Amen? That's what Bible study is for. To get strong in the Lord or in the Word. And that's what's going to cause you to overcome. God's already given us everything in this book to overcome any challenge that we face in life. But it's up to us to ingest the Word to meditate on the Word, to get strong in the Word, so that we can overcome these different challenges. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 8, to kind of further illustrate what I'm talking about. Luke, chapter 8, verse 10. And this is the Lord Jesus talking here. And he's talking to his disciples. And it's important to know that you are a disciple. As you said that tonight. You are a disciple. 
So he's talking to you just as much as he's talking to those disciples back then. He says, unto you, it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So the Bible says that the kingdom of God is full of mysteries. It's, it's mysterious. But God says he wants to reveal those mysteries to the church. But he says, but to others in parables, that seeing they might, they might not see, and hearing they may not understand. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Amen. The seed is the word of God. Then he says here in verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh who? The devil. And taketh away the word that was out of, taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So, that leads me to understand something. The devil is really not after you and I so much. He attacks us, but he's after the word. He comes for the word's sake. He comes to try to steal the word of God out of your heart, least you can believe the promises of it, so that you can receive your inheritance or the blessings of God. Now, the man of God who was here Sunday, the evangelist, he talked about claiming your inheritance. And whenever, whenever uh, anybody gets to talk, start talking about claiming your inheritance, my ears are open. Because the Bible promises us a joint inheritance with Christ. And it's very clear that the Bible says that everything that belongs to him belongs to us. But we don't automatically receive those things. So the enemy, his job is to constantly try to steal from us the promise of God, the promises of God by trying to steal the word of God out of our hearts. So tonight, as we go forward in the, in the study tonight, I want you to have a mindset that you're going to receive what God has to say tonight. That you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to open your spiritual eyes, open your spiritual ears, so that you can begin to experience the power of God like never before. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit. We pray tonight, Lord God, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened and enlightened by the Holy Ghost. And God, that we would begin to See those things that have been freely given to us in Christ Jesus. That we begin to experience you on new levels of glory. That we would not back away or turn away from your truth, but we would embrace all that your Holy Spirit reveals to us, those things that are available to us in this our dispensation. In our generation, that we would not fall short of any of it because of the power of your Holy Spirit and because of the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
comprehending and acknowledging the power of Christ. I believe this is part four. Our foundational scripture is found in Philemon. Can I get that, Philemon? There we go. We've been using that verse of scripture as a foundation for these series of teachings of comprehending and acknowledging the power of Christ. And we found out that in order for our faith to really be affected, we have to begin to realize and understand, comprehend and acknowledge the power of God within us. God placed his Holy Spirit within each and every believer. Not just so we could receive eternal life and get born again, which that's the most important thing. But that we could walk in power in this earth, in this generation. And that we could be vessels fit for his use to bring in this last harvest. But it's going to take God's power to do it. So that's what we've been studying. And we've really been studying, talking about focusing on the anointing of God. And we found out that the anointing of God is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God within us. It's a relevant power that is available to each and every believer as we begin to acknowledge and comprehend it. And so that's what we've been studying. Now, I want to go to Isaiah chapter 61. I want to start there. Isaiah chapter 61. And we kind of touched on this last week in terms of Jesus' receiving and acknowledging that Isaiah 61 was him. It was talking about him and his ministry. And here it says in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord had anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, He had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2 says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all that mourn in Zion. So Jesus proclaimed that he embraced Isaiah's prophecy concerning the anointing on his life and his ministry. Now, it was important that he did that because had he not embraced what God said about him, he never would have operated in that power. Same holds true with us. If we do not embrace and acknowledge all that the Holy Spirit has done in us through the new birth, we, we won't experience the power of God, even though it's the will of God for us to do so. So acknowledging it and embracing it is very important. So let's go back again to Luke chapter 4, and let's see what Jesus did there in the synagogue, in his hometown. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to touch on it again and get more impact from it. He says in verse 17 of chapter 4, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, that same verse of Scripture that I just read out of the book of Isaiah, that Old Testament scroll was delivered to Jesus in the synagogue. 
And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So he went straight directly to Isaiah chapter 61. And he began to say out of his mouth, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which we found out last week was Jubilee. That is when everything that, was, that belonged to us or belonged to the Jews, they were free to receive it, free to walk in it. They owed, no, they owed nobody anything. They were free from any debt. We're called in our generation, in this dispensation, to live in Jubilee seven days a week, 365 days a year, once you get born again. You're now free from any past debt, any bondage. You don't owe anyone anything. All you owe is worship to God. Amen. So he says in verse 20, he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and he sat down. And we found out last week that he sat down in the seat that was reserved for the Messiah. And the Bible says, all the eyes of them were, that were in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, a lot of religious folk, they don't believe in a this day gospel. But Jesus believed in a this day gospel, that everything that was to be received by the church is for this generation. The anointing is made available to this generation, but we got to believe it. We got to receive it and we got to believe it. Now, we're going to go through a lot of scripture tonight in terms of reading. And I believe this is the best way to really ingest the word of God. I keep using that word ingest, but I mean, take it in and really receive it and allow the Holy Spirit to... Uh, Show us all those things that the Spirit of God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Now, I want to begin in Colossians. So we're going to spend some time there today in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter, chapter 1, I believe, yeah. There you go. Thank you, Lord. Now, Paul wrote Colossians. And it has a lot of revelation in it concerning the new birth and concerning those things that have been made available to the church. Paul, like I said, he walked in an anointing that was sort of different than the other apostles. He um, did not walk with Jesus when Jesus was on the earth. Everything that Paul received from God in terms of revelation, he got from a spiritual perspective. The other disciples, they walk with Jesus in his earthly ministry. And I think, in a way, it kind of hindered them from really and truly walking in a, on a level that Paul walked on. Everything that Paul walked in, in terms of the anointing, 
and the comprehension of it and the acknowledging of it, everything that he walked in is available to us too. Because I, I, I've never sat down and seen Jesus with my natural eyes. And so everything that Paul walked in, I have access and you have access to. He, as powerful as Paul was in his ministry, you can be just as powerful. Because you got the same Holy Ghost that he had. Amen? So as we read tonight, as we go through these scriptures, begin to understand that God wants you and I to understand these things and to acknowledge these things and to experience these things right now. So let's begin at verse 9. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. So Paul constantly prayed for these people. How many of y'all know prayer is important? And to desire that you might be what? Filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So, right away we see that God wants his people to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And we found out last week that God truly is not holding anything back in terms of information, in terms of understanding. He wants his church fully to fully understand the victory of the cross and the power of the resurrection. He wants us to, to, be, to be those who understand it to, to the degree that we're able to do the signs and wonders that Jesus did when he walked the earth. So he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will. He wants us to know that it's his will for us to walk as new creatures in the earth. It's his will for us to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. It's his will for us to always, always, always walk in victory. 100% of the time. Again, not that we won't have challenges because we will have challenges. The forces of darkness, when we get this revelation, they truly turn up the heat. But when we understand truly in our hearts that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, we'll have no problem doing it. But we have to get this understanding. Spiritual understanding. Then it says here in verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now that's talking about uh, sanctification. That's talking about living a holy, clean life. That's talking about uh, honoring God with your life. And in your lifestyle, you know, we, we get born again and truly our spirit man is, is um, perfect. Your spirit man is perfect. There's nothing wrong with him. He's perfect, created in Christ Jesus. But our soul, how many of y'all ever have trouble with your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotion. That's the part that, that needs the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, Walking worthy of the Lord is important because without the obedience and the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, we won't really experience the promises of God to the degree that God wants us to. And that's why Paul puts that in there. He says that you might walk worthy of the Lord under all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And again, the Bible says, 
increasing in the knowledge of God. So on a Wednesday night, actually, this place ought to be full. <laughs> it, it ought to be full because we ought to always want to be increasing in knowledge or in informa- vital information concerning the covenant. So it's important because God says he wants us to constantly increase in the knowledge of his will. Then the Bible says in verse 11, strengthen with all might, glory to God, according to his glorious power. So it's the will of God that we be constantly strengthened with this mighty power of God. There's a, and we talked about in past uh, teachings that there is truly a river of living water made available to us by way of the Holy Spirit. There's a might, there's a power made available to the church that the church has not even scratched the surface on. There's so much more that God wants us to experience in the Spirit if we can only begin to dwell there long enough. You know, if, if the devil can keep you in the flesh, he'll defeat you every time. But if you can stay in the Spirit over where the power of the Holy Spirit is, you'll defeat him every time. It's as simple as that. So the Bible says God constantly wants us to be strengthened with what the Bible says, all might. I like that. <laughs> All might, all the mighty power of God is available to me. If I can believe it, if I can comprehend it, and if I can acknowledge it. According to his glorious power, and again, it's not our power, it's his power. If we can keep that in perspective, if we don't get the big head and think that we are the source of this, there's no no telling what God will do through us. Amen? The fullness of of the Godhead bodily, the Bible says, dwells in Christ. Well, I'm in Christ. <laughs> if we can embrace that, that knowledge that we are truly in him and he in us, then we can experience these things the way God wants us to. Unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Yeah, we're going to go through some things. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have to use, put on patience. We're going to have to put on long suffering because of the forces of darkness coming against us. And God uses these things to train us, to get us to the point where we can carry more and more of this anointing. Amen. That's how it works. So don't be uh, intimidated. Don't be sorrowful when you're going through a hard time. Understand that God is right there with you and he's just using this to promote more long-suffering and more patience in your life. And the patience is very important to, a, to the believer. I think patience is, divine, is defined being consistently constant. Being consistently constant. Not moved easily by circumstances and problems. But we're patient in our tribulation because we understand That though we're going through, we're just going through. Amen. We are overcomers. We have to always keep that in the back of our thinking, that we are overcomers in Christ. Then it says here in verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, 
which had made us meet or able to be partakers of his inheritance, of the inheritance of the saints in light. Thank you, Lord. God is tired of us being spectators. He wants us to become partakers. He wants us to experience that resurrection life that the Bible talks about. He wants us to know the power of Christ. And this may sound far into your thinking. He wants us to know the power of Christ like Jesus knew it when he walked the earth. Somebody said, well, that was Jesus. And it was. But again, that same baptism of the Holy Ghost that he received in the Jordan River, you've received it too if you've asked for it. That same endowment with power that Jesus received, you can receive it also if you can believe for it. So he wants us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of the authority of darkness. Before we got born again, Satan had legal access to us. We belonged to him. We were children of darkness. We uh, were slaves. We did not have any inheritance with God. We did not have any access to God. The powers of darkness held us captive. And a lot of times we didn't even know it. But the Bible says, and this is why we got to keep our eyes focused on the word. The Bible says that God has translated us out of the powers of darkness, out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear son. Now before you got born again, and I like to use this illustration because it helps me with my thinking. Before, before I got born again, I was not in Christ. But once I get born again, I'm in Christ. Okay? I didn't have any access to the, anoint, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God before I got born again. But now I'm in Christ and I have access to it. The kingdom of God gives me access to all of these benefits, all of these blessings. So I've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. Again, where all the power is, where all the deliverance is, where all the joy is, I have access to that now in Christ Jesus. So Paul writes in verse 14, in whom, or in Christ, and like I said before, if you don't mind writing your New Testament, anytime you see in, in whom or in Christ, underline it. Because that's talking about you and your relationship with Christ. And every promise in the New Covenant is yours in him. So the Bible says, in whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, we have been redeemed. We're not going to be redeemed, but we are redeemed. Now, it's a good practice, and you know this, to consistently say out of your mouth, I am redeemed. It does something to the soul. 
The Bible even says that we should do it. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say it. Now, when the Bible tells us to do that, it's for a reason. Because it fortifies that revelation in us. Again, these things belong to us, but until we begin to embrace them and begin to speak them out of our mouth, that's where the power comes, by the way, when we speak these things out of our mouth, when we speak the promises of God out of our mouth. That's why the devil fights you and me in our our study of the Word, because he doesn't want our mouth to become full of the Word. The Bible says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and it's a weapon against hell. Amen. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Glory to God. And he is before all things. And by him, talking about Christ, all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now, again, when we're studying along these lines, always remember and keep in mind that Jesus is the head. He's the one, he's the reason and the only reason that we walk in this kind of authority and power. As long as we keep that thought active in our thinking, again, there's nothing that God won't do through you. There's no, no power that he will relegate from you. You'll be, you'll be able to do these things as long as you keep your mind on him and your eyes upon him and worship the lamb. So again, the Bible says in verse 18, he is the head of the body. We are the body, but he's the head, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Christ, should all fullness dwell. So I'm in Christ, so I I actually have that fullness also when I embrace the truth. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. So everything has been reconciled back to, the, back to mankind through the cross. All the authority that Adam had in the garden has been given back to the body of Christ. Now the problem is, I would say 50% of the body of Christ don't know that. So they're living beneath the privileges that, are, that have been given to them. They're not experiencing the fullness of, of God the way the Bible says we have access to. Now, how do I position myself to begin to experience these things? That's the question. Well, again, obedience is very important. A lot of people want to walk in the power of God, but they're living lives that aren't holy. Amen. They're living lives that 
are not uh, sanctified in the sight of God. And, and when you talk about sanctification, this is what, what, what the Lord has been showing me. And that is that not only does God want to be sanctified and made to, be, made to look good in front of men through your life, but he also wants to be sanctified and glorified in the spirit realm. You know, angels, they see the things that we do undercover. They're watching us. And they see the secret sins and the things that we do that we shouldn't be doing. The demon powers, they see it also. They, they tempt us with these things. And they see us uh, fall short and live lives that aren't pleasing to God or not sanctified to God. So God not only wants us to sanctify him in this natural realm... But he wants, us to, he wants to sanct, us to sanctify him in the spiritual realm. It brings glory to God when you live a holy and clean life in all three realms. Here in the natural realm, in the heavenly realm where, where the angels are, and even in hell. Amen? So it's important. It's important that we live lives that are pleasing to God so that we can begin to walk in these things. Verse 21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now had he reconciled, glory to God. So we've been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So that's how God sees us. That's what the new birth does, and that's what the blood of Jesus does. It causes us to be seen by God as holy and unblameable. Now again, if we see ourselves that way, that's when we can begin to draw from these rivers of living water that I'm talking about tonight. We got to understand that we have been made able to be partakers. We don't fall short of any of the promises because of what God has done. Because he sees me holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. And how many of y'all know the only sight that matters is God? As long as God sees me that way, I can walk in victory. I can overcome. I can experience the benefits of, of this covenant. But I got to begin to see myself as God sees me. Verse 23, and this is important here in verse 23. If you continue in the faith, if, if you continue. You know, you can start off really, really good. You can do it really, really good for, at the beginning, but it's how you operate in the middle when things get tough, when things don't go your way. So the Bible says, if you continue in the faith, grounded, and that's what you're doing tonight, you're getting grounded. It may not feel like you're getting grounded, but you're getting grounded in the Word tonight. And settle. Wednesday night is important. Sunday morning is important. Bible study is important. You're getting settled. Why? So that you won't be moved away from the hope of the gospel. So that you won't be uh, pushed away from the promises. So you won't be intimidated when things start going a, a different way than what the promises say. You know, Abraham, the Bible says, 
he, uh, he wasn't moved by what he saw. He was a man of faith. He was, he, he was not uh, moved by Sarah's barrenness or, or the length of time that it was taken before the promise until the manifestation. All through that time while he was standing in faith, he stood strong because he was grounded. And that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to become grounded so we won't be moved away from the expectation of these promises. And from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So Paul suffered a lot. He experienced a lot of persecution. He experienced a lot of difficulties. I'm reminded of, because uh, we, talk, we talk about the power that, Christ, that uh, Paul walked in, but Paul was stoned, he was beaten, he spent time in prison, he spent time in the deep, in the, in, in, in the sea, shipwrecked, got bit by a snake. All kind of difficulties this man experienced, but he still remained faithful to God. And, and the reason that he was able to do that, I believe, is because he constantly comprehended and acknowledged the power of the Holy Ghost within him. The man wrote, what, three-fourths of the New Testament. Got divine revelation under the most intense persecution. And a lot of, a lot of the scripture that he wrote, he was writing in prison, in chains. Because they could not, they could, they could chain his physical body up, but they could not chain his spirit up. And, and, and that's what you have to believe. That's what you have to understand. You may be going through a tough time right now. You may be experiencing something that uh, you never thought you would experience. But there's a power within you that will sustain you and take you to a new level. If you can be like Paul and just not be moved by that. If God allowed you to go through this season, he did it for a purpose. So that he could build you up for the next season. It's going to be a great season, by the way. So Paul says, I'm going to read verse 24 again. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake. So everything Paul went through, he was going through for the church, for the body's sake. Whereof, verse 25, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Glory to God. Verse 26. Even the mystery, and we talked about this, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations. So Paul's getting to the meat of it now. He says, all the things that, that I've, I've learned, all the things that I've received of the Holy Ghost, the revelation, is for this purpose. 
which has been hid from ages for generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known. So he's talking to you and I. He, this is where, you, this is where you, you, God wants you to embrace it now. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. Nobody had ever received this revelation before. King David, we found out he had received this. Moses didn't know about what we're about to read right now. This is, this is vital information. This is powerful revelation. The riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So it's just not for the Jews. It was not meant just for the Jews. The Jews could have said, no, this, is, this covenant is only for us. But Paul makes it clear this mystery is to be received by the Gentiles, the non-Jews, which is what? Christ in you, the expectation or the hope of glory. The burden removing, yoke destroying, power, power of God in you. The power that God used to, to, to uh, create the universe, hallelujah. That, 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 that dwells on the inside of you and I. We, we, we have to begin to see that and understand that. Because that's, that's what the devil doesn't want you and I to understand. He doesn't want us to know the power that God has given us. He does not want us to walk in it, even though it's ours. He wants to keep us blinded to these things. But what the Holy Ghost is wanting to do for us in, 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 in this season is for us to embrace it and begin to drink this revelation in, to eat it like food day and night. And, and the more that you uh, begin to, to receive this, like I say, don't be surprised when all hell break loose. See, that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. The more of this information you get, the more that the enemy is going to come to see if you believe it. I remember when they anointed David king for the first time. The first thing that happened was the Philistines showed up. Wanting to see this new anointed king. Wanting to see, was he really what everybody said he was. The enemy will always show up when you get revelation like this. But understand that when he shows up, you got to answer him with the truth. But you got to know the truth. See? It's the truth that you know that's going to make you free. Not the truth that Pastor Angela knows. It's the truth that you know. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth that you truly know and understand, that's what's going to make you free. That's what's going to cause you to walk in consistent victory and in divine liberty and in divine power. Okay? I'm going to close here in 2 Corinthians. Let's go there. I wanted to move on and, and teach on something else. I had another lesson planned, but God told me, not so. You need to go back and finish this. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Paul writes, but if our gospel, everything we've been hearing tonight is the gospel, amen? And if our gospel be hid, 
It is hid to them that are lost. Talking about those who have not been born again. So the things that we've learned tonight, that we're learning tonight, this is our portion as believers. The Bible goes on to say, In whom the God of this world, talking about Satan, had blinded the minds of them which believed not least the light of the glorious gospel of what Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. So the Bible, again, Paul depicts the gospel as a glorious gospel. The gospel of Christ is glorious. It's meant to manifest the glory of God through his people. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves. Again, this ain't about us. It's about him. This is about Jesus. This is about him seated at the right hand of God and our access to him. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, think about that. God commanded the light to shine out of darkness in the beginning. Had shined in our hearts that same power, glory to God, that same power that he used in creation, the Bible says, that same light is now in us. It's there. Acknowledge and comprehend. Who had commanded the light to shine out of darkness, had shined in our hearts, what? To give the light of the, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I close here in verse 7. For we have, we possess this treasure in earthen vessels. Right now, as you said there, we possess, the Bible says, this treasure. It's a treasure. We just don't understand it. We just don't acknowledge it. We just don't comprehend it. That does not mean it's not there just because we don't comprehend it. It's there. Glory to God. We have this treasure. Not going to have. We already got it. Everything that we need to overcome in this life is ours. Hallelujah. But we have to embrace it, receive it, understand it, and begin to comprehend it and begin to walk in it. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The only reason that God does not, that we can't see that glory is because he knows what it would do to us. <laughs> a lot of us would get b the big head and think it's us. Amen. So he, he, he clothes us in this physical man, even though inside of us is this great glory. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, he showed the disciples him his true self. He, he showed him his glorified self. He, he peeled back his humanity and they saw the glory of God. That same glory, that same God lives within you. But what we have to do is begin to comprehend it. We're never alone. The devil sees it. He sees it. He sees the glory of God in you. The spirit in the spirit. He can see it. He just don't want you to see it. Stand to your feet. I can preach this a hundred times, but you know what? It's going to take you and the Holy Spirit getting along with him 
and him opening your eyes to these things. Father, give us a hunger. Give us a divine hunger for this. God, you have prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Now, Lord, give us mercy and grace to begin to eat, to begin to partake of that table, to begin to see us as you see us, redeemed and strong, overcomers in him. The challenges that we face help us to know, God, that we've already overcome, that we've already got the victory even before we go into the battle. The doctors report that it's not good. Help us, oh God, to understand and recognize that truly by the stripes of Jesus we're here. The financial difficulty that we may be experiencing right now Help us, oh God, to realize and understand that if we obey and serve you, we'll spend our days in prosperity and our years in pleasures, even as your word promises. Help us to understand, God, that we've been delivered from poverty and all of the curse. That if we give, it'll be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's our portion. Help us, O oh God, to really and truly worship you this way. For it's all to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. Thank y'all for coming.